I'm trying to get my head around what I'm going to say today. Um, it feels like a reflection on, on the week uh, and, and what we encountered. So as Teresa said, a whole bunch of us were down at the European Leaders Advance, which was in Harrogate, and we were privileged to be there. We've, we've been doing these things for a few years now, but it just seemed like a very significant time for Europe. Uh, the, the people speaking were people like Bill Johnson, Heidi Baker, Randy Clark, <clears throat> and, uh, and, and a few others. But, but the, the heartbeat of God for the continent of Europe of which we are part, Brexit didn't change the geography. <laughs> um, and and I, I felt so impacted by that, that Europe spiritually has already changed and it felt like we were in catch-up mode to actually perceive what he was already doing, not just in our nation, but in our continent. It, it kind of grew from city transformation, nation transformation to continent transformation for me in about a day. It was like, oh wow, this is, this is just crazy, crazy and, and wonderful. So I have a few verses. Are you ready for a few verses to, to, to read together? Um, I want us to go first to 1 Corinthians 3, 21. I'll, I'll read it out for you. So let no one boast in men. Listen to this. This is Paul dealing with there's some division happening in the Corinthian church. And, and, and this is the genius, Paul, how he deals with it. It says, so then, I'll read it off here. So then, no more boasting about men, because they were getting a bit carried away with some were saying, I'm... I really like Paul the most, and I really like Apollos the most, and, and, and I really like Peter the most, or Cephas. And, but then he says, don't boast about me, because all things are yours. Right, this is written to church members, yeah. of which we are all them. Yeah, All things are yours. It's worth saying that. All, all things are yours. All things, all things. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world... Oh, what? <laughs> sure, this is Paul getting carried away here. He must have been to too many charismatic meetings. Uh, whether the Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours and you're of Christ and Christ is of God. Boom. He's saying it's... There's a song we've been singing recently, I don't know if we did it, You Can Have It All, Lord. But he's also, he's saying, you have it all. This is an extraordinary verse. It's absolutely, there is no parameters put around this scripture. If you study it carefully, I've been thinking about this verse a long time, and it's still a level of mystery to me. The one thing that isn't there, that isn't ours, is the past. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. You, you have now, you have the future, you have all things. That's in our inheritance in Christ. Let's not fight about little things like this because we, we own everything. Yeah. We are the inheritors of the planet. And later in the letter, he talks to them about they're starting to take uh, disputes between them to, to court, to the legal courts. Um, 
And he says, what are you doing? Don't you know you're going to judge angels? You have the status, authority, skill in you because Christ is in you and you're in Christ to deal with these small matters. Because at this point in the future, you're the guys, actually, you are going to judge angels. They're not judging you. What What a status we have. All things are as the present, the future, the world. Just chuck that one in. But not the past. And I know my experience, my experience now, which isn't necessarily the Bible, is sometimes I want to own the past more than the future. Just, just, just sort of. I want to have a look at a couple of other scriptures uh, before we kind of dive in a bit more. Isaiah 43, 18. We'll go there next. It's an interesting verse, isn't it? In the midst of stunning revelation from Isaiah, forget the former things. Don't, don't dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. So the, the implication is if you dwell on the past, it's possible to not see the present and the future. So a, a rearward facing, it's a bit like driving a car and you're looking in the rearview mirror all the time. It's actually a, you're an accident waiting to happen. I mean, it's good to look occasionally before you pull out into traffic, Right? Rear view mirrors are there for a purpose, but you don't drive looking backwards. You can only successfully drive going forwards. And, and if you're looking backwards, you're not looking forwards. And if you're not looking out or looking forwards, if your view is filled with, with history, it's actually quite difficult to see what God's doing, particularly when he does remarkable stuff that we don't expect. Nobody in a desert and a wasteland is expecting suddenly streams to sort of, oh, hundreds of years, desert, wasteland, and boom, there's a spring. Oh, there used to be a walled up city in front of us called Jericho. A few days of walking, it's not there anymore. Those things are hard to get your head around, aren't they? There's this very well-built city, very well-constructed. And God has this strategy which is not connected to engineering as we understand it. And somehow he takes out Jericho, and I just loved that we were singing at the end there. I just felt to say to us, some of you are going to wake up tomorrow morning and your Jerichos are not going to be there. I don't know what they are, that's not important. But you know there's a problem, there's an issue, a barrier or a hitch. You're going to wake up tomorrow like, oh, I thought I had a problem. And now I don't have one. I just want to release that to you. I believe that's what was in, God was releasing in that worship moment. He's just saying to you, Whatever your Jericho is, for many of you, you're going to wake up tomorrow and it won't be there. 
it just just can't. <laughs> okay, uh, Philippians three, and verse twelve. This is Paul again. So the not that I have obtained all this, he's talking about maturity in his faith, or I've already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. That's a good, good word, isn't it? So he gets hold of you and then you have to get hold of him. Now he's never letting go, which is very encouraging because sometimes we do, but that doesn't mean that we're disconnected because he never lets go. Sometimes I think it's like, well, I had a bit of a slack period. I kind of felt like I drifted a little bit from the Lord or for his purpose, but he's never let go of you, so there's never any disconnection. That's a happy thought, just, just thought I'd say. That was for free. It's not in the notes or in the preach, but it just... Uh, can we have the next verse? Brothers, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do... Uh, Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now, I don't think heavenward means he's waiting to go to heaven. I think what's happened is heaven's got its hook into him and he's pursuing that direction in his life so he's got an appetite for more and more of heaven. I actually think there's something about Paul that he wants, he goes on to talk about, that he may achieve the resurrection. Yes. Well, the resu- actually, you will be all resurrected. That's the point of faith, isn't it? Yes. It's a point for men to yes. die once and after that come judgment. But if you've got faith in Christ, you're going to get resurrected. Yes. I think Paul's looking to pull so much of the future into the present that he's experienced resurrection life now more and more and more to what I actually think he's thinking more like Enoch or he's like boom suddenly he's just he doesn't actually die he skips all that messy process and his boom is there so he but he's having to forget things Forgetting some things is very important. The past does not belong to you. You have everything else. And these couple of verses are tended to say, if we, if we, if we treat the past um, wrongly, it actually becomes a hindrance to us apprehending our future. And, and I, I feel like that. I feel like we're in this season. I feel like I got caught up into something while we're away. And I'm like, I have to change my expectations of the future. Because it's already changed. But I haven't changed in my expectations. So the, the, the stories are coming to us from around Europe. Like we used to hear 10, 15 years ago in Africa. And we always thought, well, that always happens in Africa because they're poor you know, we need, and, and the standard Christian thinking was you either need to get poor or persecution is going to break out, and that's the only way we're ever going to get revival because we, we came up with all these reasons why it was happening everywhere else but here. Yeah. Europeans are famous for thinking that God couldn't do it for them yeah. because they weren't poor enough, they weren't hard up enough, they weren't struggling enough, they weren't suffering enough. Yeah? 
And I've been in prayer meetings where people have prayed for persecution. I'm like, we're supposed to pray not. We're supposed to pray for peace, not persecution. We're not told to pray for persecution. As you're told to pray for peace so that the gospel can flourish in an atmosphere of peace. So here, here we are. I believe Jerichos are falling all around us. We've just got to look. So preoccupation with your history, whether it's good or it's bad or it's indifferent, can actually be a hindrance to you moving into your present and your future. So I'm not just talking about, let's forget all the bad things. Sometimes the good things can be a problem and the average things too. The past, none of it belongs to you. There's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can change because you are a a finite being who was created in the image of God to live from one segment of time into the other without the ability to return to the last segment you were in. But you have an ability to to visionary-wise see into the future. You have an ability to partner with God to change your future, but there's, no, there's nothing in Scripture that, that where he says, partner with me to change your past. I'm going to take you back. and you, get, you, you don't get that kind of rewind ability. Yeah. You don't have possession of your past. It's gone. Yeah. But somebody does. Because... God is infinite and he is timeless and he said things like that he works out everything for good to those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. So in the heart and mind of God, he created you with a, with a unique identity, with a unique purpose and he's, he's, he's called you to that and he's shaped you for that. You're called according to his purpose. He has the ability to shape, engineer, pull the threads together of everything that has happened in your life that didn't seem to make sense to make sense of what he's made you to be. He can mess with your past so that it's a stepping off point for your future. He he can make things work so that even the bad things get you ready. Because he said, he makes all things, it doesn't just say the good things. Some of you are looking at me like, how does this work? Well, I don't know how this works, because I only live from this point in time to the next. But I'm trusting a heavenly father who can make my history work for me for my future if I'll let him. There's no, there's no shame that can cling to you if you don't want it. Don't make a friend with shame for your history. Remember the future, everything coming up, everything in the now and the future belongs to you. The options are endless. The resources are absolutely infinite to every believer. 
often the thing that hinders us is our, is our lack of expectation rooted in our over-ownership of our history. So our history produces in us an expectation of future which is too small. Whatever God did in your, good God did in your history is a preparation for your now and your next. All right? that, that's an easy one. Whatever good you can see God did in your history is clear preparation for your now and your next. Whatever difficulties are in your past, defeats and failures, God is making them preparation for now and your next. The good, bad, and indifferent of your history are all being worked on by God. You have no control over it. But if you can see it, he's actually using them to get you ready for now and the infinite possibilities of the future. And what he wants us to do is get both our hands free, as it were, drop past issues so we've got both hands to grasp what is actually ours, which is the now and the future. I actually was thinking about this that for me sometimes the preoccupation with the good things in the past can be a problem we've all seen stuff great God stuff in our lives and and, and I don't think this is even just an age thing because I've heard younger people than me which is possible now (laughs) There are a few that are younger than me. Um, we kind of, God does a good thing and it kind of becomes the good old days. And, and it's good to celebrate what God did in your life or through you or around you. Or wasn't it great back in the whatever decade was your, you know, it's like music, isn't it? Isn't it? To me, the 70s, particularly the early 70s, I mean, even the late 70s, I thought it went off off track. For me, the early 70s was the golden era of music because that's when I was a young teenager buying all the albums, going to all the concerts. Yeah. Some of you, the 80s, I mean, I really thought the 80s were awful musically. <laughs> I thought the hair was bad, the, the, the makeup was bad, the tunes were bad, but some of you, the 80s were awesome, that, that's fine. Some of you, the 90s, you know, Oasis and all that, that was I just thought the Oasis were the Beatles re-engineered. I thought there was... I mean, I could go on, all right? But what... So for me, when I'm looking to enjoy music, I, I just kind of go back in time to the, the great good old early 70s, and we're rocking out. But spiritually, we can be guilty of doing that sometimes as well. Well, I remember going to that conference or that Bible week or that church meeting or that, and it was just so good, and the angels showed up, and the guy got out of the wheelchair. And and actually, it's good to celebrate. And actually, Paul says it in the Philippians 3 passage. This is, this is the tension of this message, is we're not supposed to let go of what we've attained. You're like, I just thought you said let go of the past. Well, yes and, and no. Have you found that the Bible's full of everything? He said, I press on to take hold of everything that's in front of me. And then he says, oh, by the way, don't let go of what you've attained. Like within three verses. And you're like, what? 
Is it letting go or is it pressing on? Is it, well, it, it is. It, it just is. But we'll, we'll, we'll try and unpack that a bit more in a minute. Uh, so your good, the good history can become like enshrined. It can become this like, almost like it was so good, it, it can never happen again like that. Well, probably it will never happen again like that. But actually the goal of those events is to give you a platform and a springboard into greater things because God's journey is from glory to glory. Whereas sometimes, I know when I've looked at my history, it's more like, well, there was a peak and then we came down and there was another peak and we came down. And some of that was because we didn't know how to steward well what he was giving us. And we had a, we had a mentality, which is, well, God shows up and then he goes away again. He does an amazing thing and then he stops. Whereas actually he is, is actually trying to draw us into a glory to glory journey where everything he does is a step up to the next thing that's another step up. That's something we've been learning in, in, in recent days that we perhaps some of us didn't know back then. We just thought, whoa, that happened. That was awesome. But it probably never happened again. That was just lucky to be here because God did something awesome that week. Every good thing that you've received and seen in your history up to three seconds ago where God acted is meant to be a platform a floor, not a ceiling. Yeah. It's not the end of all your experiences ever. Oh, it was so good in the 70s. I'm sure there is amazing music right now. Yeah. It's just if I fill my head with 70s music, I just haven't got any room to hear what's being released in the present. Tim's smiling at me. <laughs> <laughs> If you don't know Timmy, he, he has a couple of bands and they're very cutting edge kind of music. Uh, it's really great stuff. Um, it's not Led Zeppelin, but it's really good. <laughs> I love you, Tim. And wouldn't creativity be terrible if we all were just trying to be tribute bands? Oh, wouldn't it be terrible? All those, you know, if you went back to the 80s, lots of bands with those, what are they called? Mullet haircuts. <laughs> honestly, honestly, let's not do Christianity like that. Let's not be the tribute band to the great thing that God did last week, last year, last decade, huh? <laughs> Man, they don't write choruses like they used to. Come by, my Lord. I mean, you can feel the anointing on that. No, maybe you can't. <laughs> but here's the thing. There are some songs that seem to have an anointing to transition decades. And others that were brilliant in the moment and then they, then they die. I think this is actually true of worship music and music in general. And I think that helps illustrate this holding on and letting go. God gives us good things. He establishes a place. We're going from glory to glory. So it's good to remember. It's good to have your memory points. It's good that, like we've talked about the testimony. 
Your life is full of a great, rich history with God. Don't let that go, but let it be your floor, not your ceiling. Let it be a pointer to the next level of glory, not an end point. Never let it become enshrined as some, some thing that you look back on wistfully. It wasn't God great back then, but, you know, I may never be lucky. In, you know, Christians use this word, lucky enough to see those days again. What a shame. So we have to escape our glorification of the good times, but allow those good times to be fuel for our faith for greater times to come. (laughs) The tricky thing is about this, Of the many tricky things about this, possibly the trickiest, I'll let you judge, you can score trickiness out of 10 if you like, and then we can pray for you and see if your trickiness level, you know, <laughs> it's really, really difficult on a scale of 1 to 10, how difficult is it for you? Well, it's 10 out of 10, so we can pray it down to zero. <laughs> Thanks. That was a terrible illustration, I'm pressing on. <laughs> The the challenging thing that Paul, I think, touches on in the Philippians 3 passage is it's actually difficult to let go of who you were to become who you can be. I mean, I was pretty awesome in the 70s. (laughs) But actually, it'd be really sad if I still dressed like the 70s. I've been trying to get rid of this photograph of me from when I was about 15 or 16 where I had a purple tank top and purple flares and long hair and platform shoes because it just, it, it's just horrible. It's not something I want to remember, but <laughs> Teresa won't let us get rid of that photograph of my, this, this was my mom trying to get me all hip and trendy in 72. This is kind of like. Wouldn't it be sad if I was still wearing loon pants and those shirts with the big sort of round collars and all that kind of... I mean, you do that for parties if you want to dress up and have a 70s night, but you change, don't you? Hallelujah. (laughs) I learned to shave. I mean, that was a breakthrough. It's kind of... um, but you, to enter into our future, we have to be able to change. We have to, we have to be able to adapt. We have to be able to be reformed into the next phase of our glory to glory journey. Yeah. If you want to take music to a new level or a new place, it may mean learning new skills, hanging out with different people, having new thoughts putting some chords together that you never thought would work. I'm just using that as an illustration, yeah? We, inv- we invest a lot in who we are, don't we? You know, we, some of us, you've done school and some of you've done college or university or, or you've, you've done an apprenticeship or you've been in church for a few years or whatever. You invest in who you are and then God comes along and says, ha, I, I want to change all that. But I invested a lot in being this. It's like, 
Yeah, but that's just, a, that's just a stepping up point. You have to let go of being that to be this. Yeah, yeah but I feel really comfortable being this. Well, then just stay where you are then. Yeah. Change, change is uncomfortable, but necessary. Ooh, a mighty rushing. Yeah. There are often seasons in our lives which is a little bit like the caterpillar becoming the butterfly, that metamorphosis through the chrysalis and then breaking out into something new. So it's, it, it's, it's a willingness to kind of go through that squeeze point, be pulled through the knot hole, however you want to describe it, to pop out the other side as, as a, a, an improved version of you to enter into the things that God has got for you. And not clinging on to the familiar because it feels safer. Sometimes it feels like God's like put his heavenly vacuum cleaner on suck and it's a super powered Dyson. I don't know if you ever had this, I've had these sort of experiences. You feel like he wants to, he wants to suck you through this, this little tiny hole and there's you and there's the heavenly vacuum cleaner on the other side of the little tiny hole and he's like... And when you pop out the other side, you're like, I feel different somehow. <laughs> and there's lots of things you can't bring with you through the little tiny hole. God is like, you're going to come through that hole, got to get rid of that. You're going to come through that hole, you've got to get rid of that. You're coming through that hole, okay. <laughs> so, Preoccupation with good things can be a hindrance to moving into the future, but preoccupation with the, the bad things can also be a bit of a dampener on your hopes and expectations. Yeah, we could all make a big list of things we would have liked to have seen God do and he hasn't done yet or he didn't do. As I was preparing this, I really felt God show me that, that the enemy is on a recruitment drive. Not to demonize you particularly, not to infest you like some sort of screaming crazy person. You, you know, when we think about the enemy recruiting people, we tend to think of, of, of demonized situations like the Gadarene and stuff, yeah? But actually, he's on a more subtle recruitment drive than that. He's, he's recruiting for the hopelessness party, which he is the founder member of. If you think about, I think, I think it's one of Nick Treadgold's favorite verses is that in Romans, it's about, it's the God of all hope. Is it Romans 14? Fif, Romans 15, 13. May the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the God of hope empowers you to be full of hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Hopelessness has no source in Heavenly Father. Yeah. The leader 
founder and rec- chief recruiter to the hopelessness party is the devil. And he wants to get you as young as possible. So this party is not just for older people who have more disappointments. You can get hopeless about yourself, other people, the lack of breakthrough, and on and on and on, and end up being a fully paid up member partnering with hopelessness. And the problem with that is that your life expectations are being fueled by failures and lacks, so your history is once again dictating your expectations of a future. And to get any momentum up in your belief system and your expectations is very difficult because you're trying to drag with you all this other stuff that is saying, well, that didn't work and that didn't work and that won't happen and that can't happen and it certainly it will happen for everybody else but not for you. Or you're too weak, you're too feeble, you're not a good enough Christian, you don't have enough brains, you have too many brains, you are too old, you're too young, you're too ugly, you're too beautiful, you're too rich, you're too poor, you're too in between. (laughs) You've been doing this too long, it's never going to change. Hmm. Let's break that down, shall we? Wonder where that thought came from. Hmm, how long would Jericho been there, I wonder? (laughs) Quite a long time. Probably longer than most of us have been alive. Seven days later, no more Jericho. Oops. Can't, you can't project your past into your future because the world is yours. Everything is yours. The future is yours. The world, the planet, the now, heaven, earth is all given to you. Some of our past difficulties are more connected to maybe a time where we didn't understand this stuff. Or if we did, we didn't know how to access it. And, and the devil does set out deliberately to arrange things in your life to recruit you to his party of hopelessness. Any single one of you, I bet you could come out with a load of things you tried and they didn't work. Or you hoped for and it didn't happen. Or you expected and it didn't quite break out. Because what he wants to do is get you to join his hopeless party because the hopeless party doesn't believe really that God is good to them. And, and that's really what the devil tried to do to Adam and Eve was one of the things in his temptation was, you know, God's not being good to you. He's holding out on the best stuff. Yeah, recycled lies. <laughs> so if uh, my life is full of meditation and it didn't work and it didn't happen and how can it happen? I mean, I've been here many times. And it's like, stop already, stop, 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 because all things are mine. The future is mine. And the future has a light coming at me, and it isn't the train in the tunnel. (laughs) It's heaven breaking into the earth. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you you with me? When you get into that negative frame of mind, it's like, well, it's just... 
Yeah, there is light at the end of the tunnel. It's just a train coming the other way. You've heard that expression. It's like, well, I just had one bad thing after another, so now I'm just expecting bad things. Today, that is going to change in your life. doesn't matter how long a litany of disasters, disappointments, breakdowns, etc., you can bring to the table and say, God, look at this. It can't happen. It won't happen for me because... It's like... That's the past and it doesn't belong to you. Amen. It has no power over you unless you let it. Yeah. That's what that verse is saying. Try this. Here's the future. Yeah. All things are yours. Yeah. The world, the present, the future. Yeah. I'll trade you my future yeah. for your past which don't, you don't really own anyway. Yeah. How about an exchange? Yeah. Does it sound like a good deal? Hmm, some of you are weighing that up. Well, you can weigh it up as long as you like because the offer never goes away. Just sooner rather than later is preferable. Huh. Oh, we're doing so well. We're doing so well. Yes, we're doing we're gonna Thank you, God. Thank you, thank you. We're going to finish the message. See, the, intervent, the light at the end, to, end of the tunnel is the intervention of Almighty God, which you maybe didn't see coming yesterday and has just showed up today and He changes everything. That was a good point. <laughs> So I, I just want to kind of land with, with this. I have grown up as a Christian in a, in a world where Western Europe didn't see much happen. To plant a church took many, many years. To get people saved was a very slow process. People were disinterested. People were um, antagonistic. Uh, the value systems of Western Europe have become increasingly secular and miracles were very few. I mean, it's not that long ago in time and space that even you know, prophecies and tongues were sort of scary and un unknown. Yeah. And yet now, ladies and gentlemen, on our continent, blind eyes are opening and deaf ears are opening. And a, and a, a guy that I know in Reading, England, all right, not California, England. I know it's England, but we'll get over that. The, <laughs> in Reading, England, Shire, is that they, they have a church a bit like ours, probably not super good at actual evangelism, so they invited an evangelist in to help them, and his expectation was they were doing an outreach week, and he was like stretching it, believing that 50 people would come to faith during that week, which I would be pretty happy with that. 60 people had come to faith in the first two hours. Wow. Now, all around that city, there were many weeks in that he got exact numbers. 2,029 have come to faith, not including all the people that his children have led to faith in their school, like his son had led 
I don't know, 15 people to faith. And this, is in, this is in Europe. This is in secular Britain. That, and you know, our friends in Northern Ireland, that was last year, they saw 3,000 people come to faith. As far as I know, it's still on the roll. And miracles and healings, remarkable things. Here's another one. What about Catholicism, eh, guys? Oh, hey, some of us have been around a while. It's like, oh, Catholics, they're the problem, not the answer. Uh, you know, it depends which branch of Christianity you grew up in. They could even be the Pope at one point was the Antichrist. And <laughs> I went to a guy's, we went to a guy's seminar and uh, he had a connection with the Catholic Church, and he went to Paris, which, which we've been to a few times now, to a church there, but he got invited to a Catholic church to do an outreach. And this church seats 2,000 people, but on a normal uh, communion service, uh, they would maybe get 50. But they have this special meeting, he's coming, signs and wonders evangelist, and he shows up, and there's queues of people outside, but he's thinking to himself, of course, it's a big building, we're all going to get in. But he gets inside, it's already full. And the priest is freaking out, because he's never seen this many people. Anyway, they pre- he preaches the gospel. I think it was 70% of the people in that building came to Christ. I mean, you have to understand what Paris France is like in terms of spiritual atmosphere, what I'm saying to you is it's shifted and it's changed. And many, many other stories, it's changed around us, so that means the way we engage with it needs to change. That our expectations can go up and change and shift, and suddenly it could be that your neighbor and your friend or the person at work or the person in the street, you thought there's no hope for them, there's no point praying for them. I just give up. You pray for them and boom, they get saved or wham, they get healed. And you're like, whoa, where did that happen? It's because the whole thing in Europe has shifted and God is on the move in our continent in a massive way. Let's not cling on to our disappointments from the past and how it didn't work that shapes our expectation for the future. Why not 2,000 people saved in Glasgow and 20, 30 other cities and on and on and on that this revival takes moment, gets momentum until nations are literally changed because that is going to happen. Because Jesus said to me when he whacked me out on the floor, he said, I have not forgotten Europe and everything I died and paid for is for Europe as well. Let's stand together. <clears throat> so I'd like you just to ask Holy Spirit to help you and bring your list of all the things that uh, may be negative or disappointments or where the devil's trying to recruit you to the disappointment party. And I just ask Holy Spirit, you don't have to list you know, all 400, but... There'll be a sense, there'll be a few key things. Just bring them to the Father. Would you just say, here's, here's my box of, not goodies, but my box of baddies. <laughs> and you say something like, I, I, I want to stop partnering with the disappointment party. These don't belong to me. The past is not mine. So I give them to you, Father. Because you can take them 
and make them good in my life. I don't know how you're going to do that, where you're going to do that. That's not my problem. It doesn't belong to me. I have no control over it. I give them to you. Make something good out of it. Yeah? But you have to give it up. You can do, you know, hold your hands out, wipe your hands, say amen, breathe out, but do something that's like, I give you my bad news. Heavenly Father, will you take away our box of bad news? We we just break. We we, we resign from the hopelessness party as of now. (laughs) Consider it full and final resignation. (laughs) Holy Spirit, would you rush into our lives and give us a pile of new expectations? full of hope. Breathe. Breathe on things that we thought would never change. And put some glistening hope around them. Put some bright lights on them. Put some tinsel and put some flashing lights on things that were just dead and dull right now in the name of Jesus. Some of you dead dreams are coming to life in your life right now. And it's suddenly going to look alive and bright where it looked a bit dull and nothing's going to change here. So Father, will you give us your box of hope? Will you give us expectation? Will you give us bright outlook? Because everything is ours. You've told us that the future and the present belongs to us and that you've given us all things. And we... We believe you're taking us from glory to glory. So all those years of struggling with a pain in our body that never went away, we believe that it can be taken away right now. And if it's not right now, we're still believing that you're good and we're still believing that you heal and that you raise the dead and that this will happen for us at some point. God, just right now, I just declare healing into bodies that has not manifested for up to this point. I declare healing. I declare healing, breakthrough, pain, just breaking off, leaving a body immediately because they gave up their hopelessness. And Father, I declare financial provision. I declare family change. I declare reconciliation relationships. God, thank you for that great story uh, last week of that incredible, miraculous reconciliation. We just declare we release that into every life in this room. Changes in job circumstances, changes in family circumstances, shifts and improvements in health and healings. In Jesus' name, fill us full of hope, God. Neighbors saved, friends saved, long-term backslidden people we know coming back to faith. Bumping into people and praying for them. and Oh my goodness, they got healed. I've never seen that happen before. Levels of breakthrough we've never seen be happen before. God, waking up tomorrow morning and our Jericho suddenly has disappeared. God, I believe there's going to be tons of stories in this room where you look for the problem and it's not there anymore. <laughs> Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. So... <laughs> As we just, just bring this to a close, I'd like to ask you to check yourself out when you're healed. 
would you, we're going to just close, we're not going to do an appeal, we've done the appeal, but the appeal is for you to come and let me know, or if it's not happening right now, let us know in the office that you got your breakthrough, your Jericho wasn't there. Let's build a mountain of hope-filled testimonies uh, off the back of what God's doing as we start to expect the new things and the greater things and the bigger things. You can email us at admin at hopechurchglasgow.org. You can grab me while you grab a cup of coffee and say, as you were preaching, this left my body because it will have done. There's people in this room. If you check it out, you are better already. And uh, I'd like you to do that and, and come and see me. I just know we've run out of time. And uh, amen. God bless you. Hope is happening.